Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. Well, welcome into Lux Digital Church. I'm Andy. I'm also known as Chino Mage. Thank you, Anthony, for the raid and coming on in here. Everybody else uh, that was in praying, everybody that has really been live in service right now, thank you so much. Uh, I am the director of on-demand ministries here, which is really just kind of a fancy way of saying that I get to really connect all of our on-demand family and I get to get them all plugged in somewhere at the Lux family, somewhere into the Lux family, excuse me. And if you are part of our on-demand family who are watching or listening to this after our live stream on Twitch at Wednesday nights, 8.30 p.m. EST, thank you. Honestly, thanks for being part of our family. But I would love to connect with you to find out how God is working in your life and, and maybe to, to hang out and, you know, I don't know, play some games online, something like that. Uh, you can drop a quick comment in the comments below or jump into our DMs on social and let's talk. Uh, and for everyone else that's here live, thank you so much for being here as well. Thanks for giving up just a small bit of your week to be with friends and family live on Twitch with us. Honestly, this is like the best part of my week. We were praying in our dream team uh, meeting beforehand, kind of getting everything ready. We we always kind of meet at eight o'clock Eastern and we were sitting there praying and I just had this like feeling wash over me, man. It's just, it's the best part of my week, getting to hang out with Dream Team and then come over to stream and hang out with everybody else, getting to move then into our Discord server afterwards. I, it's It's a gift from God that we get to do this. And that Discord server is where we hang out the rest of the week. And if you've never actually been part of a Discord server, or if you're already in like a million of them, like a lot of us are, Lux is truly, truly different. It's it's where we talk, it's where we answer questions, it's where we we play games, we watch movies, we hold small groups. It's it's where we live. Come join us after service tonight and hang out with us, and then jump into our Discord. Grab that link that Anthony just posted in there. Okay. Let's go. Uh, we are jumping into week five of our collection of talks that we've been in called Things Jesus Didn't Say. And it's one that I've really been super excited about, along with Pastor Mark, who's been excited about it too. We've been, we've been taking some common phrases that people think are in the Bible, but they're really just kind of missing the mark. And here's why. Our, our, our key statement that we've been crafting this entire s series around is this. G what Jesus didn't say can be just as important as what Jesus did say. What Jesus didn't say can be just as important as what Jesus did say. And tonight, today, is no different. So uh, a quick question for everyone in the chat tonight. You feel free to answer this in the chat or DM me later. Do you know the national anthem of the country you are currently living in? And I'm not talking, do you know the music or the tune, you know, the, 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 the actual, you know, music behind it, but do you know the words, the correct words? I, uh, I grew up in, the reason I ask is because I grew up in Michigan and I played hockey for about 17-ish years, ice hockey, like the real hockey. And I was on a couple of travel and competitive teams. And when you live in Michigan and you play hockey, you go to Canada to play real hockey, like right over the river. I would, I lived in Flint, which is like here. And we'd go to Detroit, which is like down here. And then we'd go across the river over to a place called Sarnia. And then we'd go up to, into Ontario. We'd play in Toronto. We'd play in Quebec, all sorts of places. 
when we would go over to the border in Canada, we would stand there before, uh, oh, oh, Josie, can you see? Absolutely. Oh, Jose, can you see? Before every game in Canada, we would stand there and they would play the Canadian national anthem. I'm American, uh, American born and bred, but I really envy the Canadian national anthem. It's, it's awesome. Uh, it's like this soaring thing and it's just, it's beautiful. Except <laughs> I didn't know the words and there's this one part as the music is building and the words go up an extra octave towards the end. And, and, and I always thought it said, oh, Canada, we stand on God for thee. Oh, Canada, we stand on God for thee. And I always wondered why a country would say that they stood on God. It, it, it always seemed a little weird and dangerous and sacrilegious. And I kind of grew up in the church and I was like, man, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with people saying they like standing on God. And it wasn't until I was much older, like in my 20s older, that I found out they were singing, we stand on guard, G-U-A-R-D, for thee. So, uh, I'm apologizing to all of Canada and all of the Canadians out there. Sorry for thinking that you are a little weird for most of my adolescent and some of my early adult life. You are awesome, and I accede to your awesomeness of a country. Today, we are actually jumping. Actually, shock is not wrong. I sort of figured it out while I was preparing for this sermon. Tonight, we're going to be jumping into a topic that could definitely ruffle some feathers. Uh, I, I am apologizing to Canada in advance, but I also probably need to apologize to the U.S. Uh, and before we get anywhere further, I wanted to make sure we're all on the same page and that we all have kind of a clear view of what I am talking about. So before we even introduce the, the, the topic, I need to give you a caveat. I love this country. I love the United States of America. It's where I live. It's where I was born. It's where I want to reside the rest of my life, provided that God makes it so. I love what God has done to establish this country. And I really do truly believe that God has been watching over us and protecting us. And here's why I really love this country. Here in America, we are free to pursue things that are not the country itself. The Declaration of Independence was actually uh, signed, and it says that we are founded on the principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, happiness doesn't, when the original founders actually wrote it, this is a little known fact, happiness didn't necessarily mean pleasure. It didn't mean like the sensate sort of like, I'm going to eat till I die, and I'm going to make sure I fill myself with all the entertainment and everything. Pleasure actually means a different purpose. So you are free to pursue a different purpose. Your life didn't have to be about the government and about pleasing the crown, the, the monarchy, which is what the founders were rebelling against. You, you didn't have to live for the monarchy. Your life was free to be molded by wherever and whatever your heart takes you. The United States was founded on the principle that the country itself is not the ultimate. It is not the top thing. It is the penultimate, the second, the, the, the secondary thing. And we are free to pursue what we think should be ultimate for us and our families, which for me and my family is pursuing the kingdom of God. But since the end really of World War II, right around the mid 40, 1940s, and then on into the Cold War, and then particularly with the rise of social media and 24 seven news and opinions and all of those things, we've seen the rise of something called nationalism, which has been around for a very long time. But nationalism is 
in, in today's context is this idea that, that the country we live in needs all of our devotion, all of our support, and all of our love. The country is our highest purpose, making our country and our land the best it can be economically, socially, and politically. And that's not in just the U.S., that's around the world, and nationalism has been rising again since World War II. It happened right when World War II was starting, and that's how we got the rise of Nazi fascism, and that's how we got the rise of, you know, sort of the Italian state and a couple other countries around the world that that really formed the axis, and, and we don't need to get into a history lesson, even though it's quite awesome. But here in the United States, nationalism has become particularly bad. If you don't agree with me and my political views, or if you don't look at the way I look at how our country is run, you are called woke or elitist or bigoted or fascist. And, and the value is placed on politics themselves not on the people around them or on what the actual country is doing. It's placed on political warfare. It's placed on nationalism and Christians, man. We have gotten a real bad rap for stepping into conservative politics for the most part. Most Christians kind of identify with conservative politics. Rightly or wrongly, we have gotten a real bad rap for some of the things we've done and a lot of the things we've said in this time. And it's something that's that's really pretty prevalent. And, and I don't want to go into too much detail with that because honestly, it is over covered and we're going to lose people on stream. And it is not my, it is not my intention to have a political bait, be, debate like that because there, there's too much on both sides of this stupid argument. And then we get this, if we keep this up, we get this emotionally and politically charged thing that eventually leads to people yelling at each other, yelling things like get, get on board or get out of my country or you're not one of us, or even worse, and this is the one that, that kills me, you don't belong here. That's all anti-Christian rhetoric. That is all things that come up whenever we talk about these things. And Christian nationalism fuels a lot of this. It carries this banner with the best of them. So it's okay tonight, right now, wherever we're at, it's okay to hold this view of politics and put it to the side, hold this view of nationalism and put it to the side. And it's okay to look at these things as possibly a problem. That's what's this idea of nationalism is communicated across our culture, that the United States is God's great gift to the world. That's what's presented to the world. But despite what many of us may think that God gifted the United States to the rest of the world. Jesus never said, God bless America. Nowhere in the Bible is it written, God bless America. Now, you hear some of that, you hear that, and some of you may go, well, yeah, duh, like the United States didn't exist 2,000 years ago. And some of you might be shutting off the stream or the podcast right now going, great, another one of these streams. But here's what I want you to understand. Tonight, we're not going to be talking about politics. I'm not going to be taking sides on any of the debates that rage on a minute-by-minute minute basis on all of the news channels and news sites and, or, and Twitter and everything. I, and I'm not going to be talking about my own personal political views. The world is full of enough of that. And honestly... It's not our place as the church to engage in the mudslinging and the back and the forth that most of our opinions eventually get us to. It's not our place as the church to do that. And to take it a step further, I'm not going to be talking about why America may or may not be a Christian nation because, spoiler, 
It is not, or at least maybe not in the way that we commonly think it should be. But I need you to hear this filter that I'm putting on all of this, and then you can send me whatever DMs and whatever you want to do in Discord or all over in social media. The filter I am putting on is this. I do think it's important, important for Christians to be involved in the government. I do think it's important for us to try to make decisions that further the cause of Christ. And the cause of Christ will always advocate for the person and not necessarily the government. Okay? And I, and I do think that following Jesus will mean that we have to learn to live in the tension of being a citizen of this world. But more than that, we need to live in the tension of being a citizen of this world and also the citizen, a citizen of heaven. And we're going to talk more about that tonight. Because Jesus never said, God bless America. Actually, funnily enough, God, Jesus never said, God bless Israel, by the way. Like he, he's Israelite, he's Jewish, and nowhere in any of the scriptures, any of the gospels, will you hear Jesus saying, God bless Israel. I mean, Jesus, to be fair, like Jesus also doesn't say, God bless my followers who are just the best and the brightest, the most worthy and better than everyone else. He never, he never says that either. And that clarity is actually important because just like today, where we see nationalism taking a hold of things in all of our countries, it was actually really bad during Jesus's time. It was, it was immensely bad. It was a real powder keg in Jerusalem where Jesus was kind of doing ministry around the time that he was doing things right around the turn of, you know, the dawn of really AD time. It, it was a, it was a time of real tension in Judea where he was. See, put yourself in the context there. They, the Jewish people, especially Israel, had been under foreign occupation for hundreds of years from Babylon and Assyria and Greece and their empires. And now when Jesus is alive and walking, they're now under Roman rule and Roman rule was brutal. OK, it was real bad. Romans talked a lot about progressiveness. Like, you know, they, they upheld, they thought that they were going to be saying, oh, man, uh, you know, it. The, we're progressive and we're bringing peace and Pax Romana and all these other things. But honestly, it was a rule by force, by military might, by killing. A lot of falling in line with what Rome was saying and all of their taxation and all of their idol worship or dying. Add in a bunch of massive tax brackets and tax wages. And there was a lot of sadness in Israel. And then on top of that, Rome, Rome was this pagan empire. They, they were polytheistic, meaning they, they, they believed in a bunch of gods, not in the one true God that Israel followed, but a bunch of gods. And they worshiped idols and wooden structures and, and sculptures and marble and rocks and dirt and all of these other things. And then they took over Jerusalem and they desecrated and humiliated the temple in Jerusalem, which was the main place of worship for the Jewish Jewish people a number of times. They walked in with unholy objects. They spilt blood. They killed wrong animals. They did a whole lot of things to desecrate the temple. And the Jewish people saw this as just a huge affront. They were angry. These people were just trying to worship Yahweh, the one God. Everything that was sacred and profaned and blasphemed by Rome really created this sort of anger cauldron. And it's into this 
that we see Jesus stepping. There's this hyper-nationalistic identity for Israel. And Jesus refuses to take any sides, any political sides. Jesus refuses to say, God bless Israel and go and fight for your country. Go and fight for the nation of Israel. Because Jesus is all about the things that we need to be interested in that are of God. It's actually one of the main reasons that, that Jesus was crucified, actually. Jesus didn't have any interest in starting or leading a rebellion against Rome, which is what the Jewish people wanted from a quote-unquote Messiah, a saving one. They didn't see it as they were being saved from sin. They saw it as being saved from Roman oppression or whatever oppression was around them at this time. Jesus wasn't this conquering hero that, that people thought he was going to. He didn't ride into Jerusalem with a sword and a white stallion charging in to save the country. Instead, Jesus rode in on a donkey, <laughs> like the lowest of the low pack animals. Jesus spoke about loving your enemies and seeking to understand them. Stupid stuff like that, right? That's sarcasm. I would put hash or uh, slash S if I could in the chat. Jesus talked about another kingdom. He talked about another country, a country that was ruled by God and God alone. He, he talked about being a citizen of heaven, not of a country here on earth. And Jesus was killed for it. So all of that cultural context, remember that, put, put your mind, you know, put that in your mind as we look at what is commonly called the Sermon on the Mount, which is a collection of talks and sermons that Jesus preached that were found in Matthew chapters five through seven. The Sermon on the Mount is essentially, uh, you can look at it as kind of like a, a way to live as a citizen of heaven. It, it, it's, it's a way to be a good person, but it's a way to be an even better Christian. And into that, Jesus speaks this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. He says, look, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you only if you greet, excuse me, only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. In this politically charged atmosphere that Jesus is walking in, he's fleshing out what it means to be a good citizen, capital C citizen. Jesus says, you've been taught to hate Rome and you've been taught to hate the tax collectors and you've, you've been taught to hate everyone that isn't on your side. We take sides, humans take sides. We do that all the time. And, and it's kind of naturally born into us. We choose the people that, uh, that we identify with. We choose people that, that believe what we believe and, and do what we do. We choose people that look like us. We feel safe in that. We circle the wagons and we point at the people outside of the wagons and we tell the world that we don't want any of them in here with us. 
whatever that is, wherever that is, consciously or unconsciously, just go into any League of, League of Legends ranked queue or a ranked season playlist on Call of Duty and you'll see what I'm talking about. It is brutal. It is an us versus well, us versus them mentality. We choose sides. And Jesus knows this, of course. Jesus knows the way the whole world works. He knows the way businesses work. He knows the way teams work. He knows the way social clubs work. And it's sad, but it's the way that many churches work today. And Jesus calls this out, right? In this passage, he calls this out. He says, look, if, if all you're doing is attracting like for like, and if you are turning away outsiders and you're loving those who love you, well, hey man, the, the tax collectors and the people that you hate are already doing that. You're, you're just, you're no better than they are. That, that, that's not how citizens of heaven should be living. And there's that word that I keep coming back to, citizens, citizenship. Specifically, dual citizenship is where I want to move tonight. I, I, I want to move the conversation past politics, past nationalism, past mudslinging and far right, wide left, centrist, all the things that can pretty much dominate everything. But, but instead, I, I want to talk about being citizens of the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus came to this earth to show off, the kingdom that is eternal, that is everlasting, that is built on love and mercy and grace, the kingdom that, that we are invited into the second, the split second we say yes to a life-changing, citizenship-altering relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Because when we give our lives to Jesus, we are trading our citizenship. We become citizens of heaven. We are redeemed children of God. And now, we are allowed to call heaven our home forever. Hey, Shiny Flamingo, good to see you. I, uh, I moved, so I told you I grew up in Michigan, and then we moved to Tampa uh, when I was like 13. And I lived in Tampa, kind of went to school in Tallahassee at Florida State for a little bit. I've had some issues there. We've talked about that before. If not, come see me. It was a real big drug problem. And then I got saved and I took a job as a worship pastor, moving from Tampa, Florida, where all of my family and everybody that I knew my entire support system was up to the relative unknown of Southern New Jersey when I was 25 at the time. And I, I never really had to deal with any of those details that you have to do when you move. Because, you know, when I was 12 and 13 and moving from Michigan to Florida, well, you don't have to worry about anything like setting up utilities and finding a house to live and and specifically getting a new driver's license. But all of a sudden I had to worry about adding taxes because Florida has no state income tax and New Jersey does and New Jersey has a billion other taxes that they just give to you when you walk in and they say, here you go, you owe us a ton of money. And I was like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And I literally was leaving citizenship of one state and transferring it and becoming another one, becoming a citizen of another one. And I, uh, you have to go to the DMV because that's like a necessary evil, right? And I, uh, I went to the DMV and did the whole thing, got my license all transferred over. And the lady, the lady at the counter, I vividly remember this. She uh, said, 
okay, can I have your driver's license, please? So I gave her my Florida driver's license. She pulls out a pair of scissors and literally cut the license right there. And I was like, we, I, I need that thing to drive. And she made a joke. And I kid you not, she said, well, now you're a man without a country. And I was like, you, what? Like, what do you mean? I, that was super scary, right? I, I could have gotten pulled over on the way back. I didn't have a license. Like it, it took two to four weeks to get another one printed. I, I, I didn't have a piece of paper that said I belonged somewhere. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere at the time because I didn't have this little plastic thing in my wallet. Here's the thing. As redeemed children of God, it's, it's kind of like that. Our, our primary citizenship is not here in the U.S. The second you say yes to Jesus, your driver's license is kind of cut up and thrown away. You're no longer a citizen of Canada or Guam or Australia or the U.K. or wherever you're watching this from. It, you're, you're actually really not even a citizen on earth anymore. The Apostle Paul gets referenced a lot here at Lux for good reason. And he has a lot of insight on this topic. In the book of Philippians chapter three, he says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Man, that sounds awesome, right? We are citizens of heaven. Our primary citizenship is where Jesus came from, heaven, where God resides. We can, we can talk all about what that actually looks like and where heaven is. And, you know, another spoiler, heaven is all around us right now. And heaven and eternity is going to look a lot like what our earth looks like. And all of those things, we don't need to have that conversation. And now I'd love to have that conversation at another point. But we're, we're actually uh, in what the, we're actually kind of living as what the Apostle Peter calls sojourners and exiles. That's what we are. We are sojourners and exiles here on this earth. Because our primary citizenship is from heaven. Jesus, Jesus calls it adopting uh, a, a new birth. Our new citizenship is a new birth. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. We are born again as citizens of Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of of God. We have dual citizenship now. We are residing in this world. We are sojourners and exiles on this world, but we have a heavenly, eternal citizenship in the kingdom of God. Okay, so great, right? Dual citizenship, big whoop. What, what does all that mean? Citizenship is incredibly important for one big reason. It's not just taxation or a driver's license thing. Citizenship, excuse me, is important because it is all about your identity. Citizenship plays a major role in forming your identity. Everything from your culture, your worldview, your values, they're all shaped by your country that you call you know, home, where you are a citizen. That's, that, that, that is a major formation of your identity as a person, as a human. So back to New Jersey. I, uh, like I said, that lady cut up my driver's license. I didn't have anything. Finally got it. I don't know what took them so long, but it, it was like almost four weeks. 
Finally got it in the mail four weeks later, and I was a quote-unquote official citizen of New Jersey. But I, I never, ever really felt like I belonged in that state. I, the culture was totally different. Again, I didn't have any of my support system. Uh, I didn't know anybody. The food was really weird, uh, and they pumped gas for you. Like I, I, I pulled into the gas station the first time to fill up my car and got out to fill it, and some guy was like, no, 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 you can't touch that. I was like, what do you mean I can't touch this? I've been doing this in my entire adult life. And he's like, no, no, no I got to pump it for you. I said, no, 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 no. They pump you a gas for you. It's crazy. I, I lived there for three years and I never really identified with that area. I never really became a citizen of New Jersey. And I remember one night I was at an engagement party uh, for a member of the worship team that I was a pastor over. He had proposed to his girlfriend. She said, yes, we were at this big party for it. And he actually had a friend that was up from the Tampa area where I currently live, where I was living. Uh, and I, even though I'd never met this guy, this friend who had come up from Tampa, we immediately got into a conversation about Florida and how hot it is and how gators literally walk down the street in your neighborhood and how there's too many people during spring break and on and on and on. We just shared this immediate common background and connection and these worldviews that that didn't need to be explained. Even, even though we had just met, it was like we were best friends because we were strangers and sojourners and exiles in this weird land called New Jersey, because I was a stranger there, but I immediately felt at home because my identity was rooted in Florida at the time. For those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's the same thing. Instead of our identity being defined by the color of our driver's license, our identity is defined by who we are in Jesus. It is a shared allegiance that now transcends culture and transcends political views and race and even country, or it should. There is a shared set of rules that we should be living by, a shared language that we should be able to speak. I should be like, you know, able to come to you and, and automatically understand who you are when you tell me you're a Christian. And yet our nationalistic culture has all of these rules around revenge and money and lying to each other and how we should talk to one another. And it's sickening and it's sad to have Christians biting back and forth at each other because of revenge and money and politics and worldviews and all of these stupid things. Because the kingdom of God follows different rules. We follow a different set of beliefs. It is a counter-cultural thought process that we should be following. Because we are taught to live according to citizenship, identity, and not the identity of our country, but the identity that God has given us. And that is a heavenly citizenship that forms our identity as a child of God. God is our father. We are his children. And when we start following his will and his leadings, when we start doing these things, we start living according to our citizenship in heaven. We gain our heavenly driver's license and the doors of, of the kingdom are flung open to us and we get to be with our father whenever we want. And yet, we're also living here right now as exiles and sojourners in whatever country we're in with people that believe different things than us, right? 
with different politics and points of view and different families and different backgrounds and different cultures and different countries. And so trying to reconcile living as a citizen of heaven while also being a citizen of whatever country we live in is a bit of a dance. The good news is that we're given a little bit of guidance in this from the Apostle Paul again in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where Paul says, look, don't, don't, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to let our minds be transformed, literally changed, literally neurons firing in a different way and pathways moving and changing and thought processes moving. We need to be thinking and dwelling on heavenly things, things that are not just our base sort of lizard brain instincts of food and water and sex and leisure and comfort, those things. They're all good things, but that's not where our mind needs to be dwelling. Paul actually writes this in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 2. He says that we need to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind today on the things of God, things of holiness and purity, things of redemption and joy, things that aren't dark, things that bring light. Things that aren't just chasing after money or power or success or popularity or more or more or more or more of this and more of that. That's what people who identify with the world do. Remember, our, our, our identity is defined by Jesus, and it's defined by who we are in Jesus, sons and daughters of God. And the second we allow the Holy Spirit into our jumbled, messy lives, we start to see what's important to God, the things above, and we start to live as if those things are important to us. Things like sacrificial love, things like giving both of our money and our time, things like humility. Things like thinking of others more than ourselves. Things like prayer and silence and solitude and being in the word. These are the things we will identify with. These are the things that the citizens of heaven value. And heaven is all around us right now. Each week, uh, as we wrap up our message time, we, we want you to be able to take something practical, tangible from our time together. And tonight is, is no different because here, here's why all of this matters. Our identity, our citizenship, our identity is not defined by the country we call home, but by our eternal home. Our identity is not defined by the country that we call home. It's defined by our eternal home. And I want to challenge you today to start living as if you had a dual citizenship. Living as if you were a citizen of heaven first, valuing the things that the Holy Spirit tells you about you and tells you about your world, valuing those things in your heart. But then letting that identity sort of dictate how you live your life in your current country. Let, let your heavenly identity guide how you talk to people who don't believe what you believe. Let the, your heavenly citizenship dictate how you spend your money and your time in your current country. 
Let your father show you how being a citizen of his kingdom is really the only way to live as a perfect citizen in your current country. Let that be your guide. Let's pray together. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for this tension that we live in. And let's ask today, right now, in this moment, for God to simply show us that our heavenly citizenship is a mighty, mighty calling. Let's pray. God, we thank you for allowing us to be here tonight, today, wherever we are, whenever we are listening to this, whenever we are watching this stream, God. Help us to see that uh, living as citizens of this earth, of our current countries, is not about nationalism. It's not about power and money and gain and success. It's not about our base instincts and our hungers and our desires, God. But it's about letting our minds be transformed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, I thank you for allowing us to do this on the internet. And I thank you for allowing us to carry this gospel message, this good news of who you are into all the corners of the earth, God. I'm praying for a knowledge and, and really an identity of citizens of heaven to, to permeate what Lux is doing and, and, and from Lux to be a light into the darkness that, that is our country, that is our world. God, help us to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray and all of God's people say, amen. Hey guys, um, if you're here tonight and you joined in the middle of uh, Pastor Chino Major's, or Chino Major's message, uh, my name is Mark. I'm the lead pastor here at Lux Digital Church. I just want to say thank you for being here. And I got a lot of amens in the chat. <laughs> Listen, I, I realized that tonight's message for some of you may have been really challenging. I live in a, a really staunchly right-wing part of the world. Um, I live in a section of the world that mixes uh, Christianity with patriotism quite a bit. Um, and as somebody who is in many ways, in some ways, very proud of the place that I live and I've been to third world countries and I've been in places where people aren't allowed to believe whatever they want to believe and are, are oppressed for the things that they believe. I can tell you that I am so incredibly grateful and thankful for the place that I was born and the place that I get to live. And I've also watched in the name of Jesus, the church and people who I know and love and deeply respect do some very, very un-Jesus-like things in the name of a political agenda over the last couple of years. And so I know that this message is challenging for some of you. I know that for many, they think that their faith and their political party are synonymous with one another. There are various aspects of our fallen world, no matter where you land, that are absolutely not like Jesus. And Chino Mage's message tonight was built to challenge that to look at our lives and to ask truly where is our citizenship at? Is our primary citizenship our citizenship in heaven with our heavenly father to the kingdom of God and to expanding and growing that kingdom? Or are we allowing another kingdom, whether that be our own or the country that we live in, to filter impact and influence the kingdom of God and the way that we live into it? Because tonight we're going to do something that is distinctive to the kingdom of God something that is very distinctive to citizenship in his kingdom. Every month here at Lux, we gather together some common elements, things like bread and juice, and we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And what was incredibly interesting was at the time, the Jews were oppressed by the Romans. 
and they were literally living underneath the Roman overlords. The, the Temple Mount, where the Jews would go to worship, there was a, a, a platform that was built above it so that Pontius Pilate, the governor, could walk out on the platform and look down over the people in the temple grounds to make sure they weren't organizing any sort of a revolt and to keep an eye on what they were teaching at the Temple of Solomon. And it was from that position that the Romans exerted authority over the religion of the Jews and the pol politics of the Jews, the laws of the Jews, the people themselves. And in that world, Jesus gathered together his friends who they really genuinely thought, many of them probably still at this point, believed that Jesus was here to overthrow the Romans and take the seat that David sat on. David had been their one great king. And it was believed that an ancestor from David would one day sit upon his throne again. And so they thought that Jesus, the Messiah, would overthrow the Romans and sit on the throne of David. That he would reinstate the theocracy that was God leading the people, that they would have a king again. And instead, when Jesus gathered with them, he took these common elements that were part of the Passover meal and he shared them with them. But when he shared them with them, he repurposed them. During the meal, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is given for you. And when you eat of it, I want you to do so in remembrance of me. And after the meal, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood and it's shed for a new covenant. And when you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. These powerful words wouldn't mean a lot necessarily to his disciples at the time. But as the 12 were gathered around the table and Judas left to betray him in just a few short hours, it would. Because Jesus did overthrow the Romans. Christianity outlasted the empire in which the sun never set. Something we're going to talk about next week. One that existed for a thousand years. A small sect of Jews that became known as followers of Jesus. Outlived them despite the Roman empire's deep desire to crush them, eliminate them, eradicate them, obliterate them. And it was this common meal that held them together. It was this thing that reminded them of where their primary citizenship was. It was no longer as Jews. It was not as Romans. And Jesus, in, in his own unique way, came and instead of leading a revolt, he died. He died. Just a few days later, next day, for you and for me, and then he rose again and he overcame the Jews' true enemy, which was sin and death, not the Romans. We do not wage war against flesh and blood. And so if you're here with me tonight and you are a follower of Jesus, you get the chance to celebrate with your church family every month in the bread and the juice. And for you, it might be something different. We celebrate this because this is a declaration of our first and primary citizenship. It's a reminder above all of the other things in this world. We are sworn first and foremost to the kingdom of God, following Jesus Christ. So friends, take and eat. For this is Jesus' body given for you. And friends, take and drink. For this is the blood of a new covenant poured out for the sins of us all. Let's pray. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the glory and the power and the kingdom forever and ever and ever.
Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.